Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're going to be talking about what goes on inside the minds of hurting students. Bobby and I will be chatting with one of our former students about her journey of hurt and healing and what was happening in her thought process throughout her whole experience. So I know for me personally, a lot of the mistakes I've made with students in the past has been kind of assuming that I know what's going on inside their head or kind of trying to answer uh, my own questions to them. So I'll say something along the lines of, you know, so are you really sad about that? Because it seems like you're really sad about that rather than giving them the space to speak about things and trying to really understand where they're at and kind of meet them there. I think that's a mistake I make a lot, kind of being somebody who wants to fix a problem. And uh, I've, I've really had to learn to become a leader who learns to listen to what students have to say. And that's been a long journey and I'm glad I'm here now, but yeah, that's definitely been something I've had to become more cognizant of over the years. I think you actually, used a good example there, Noah, of how you've grown. Because when you say a a question like, are you sad about that? And you give space for them to disagree. um, That's undercutting your own assumption. So like an an example is you're sad about that, or you must think this, or like a lot of times, uh, I I think I've made the mistake of, of presupposing what someone um, should do or think. So I may say something like, well, you, w- you don't want to do that. And I, and I think that's when I've, I've made those mistakes by giving that space of uh, you seem sad about that. Are you sad about that? Um, I think you actually have come so far in your growth pattern, you didn't realize even in, in that introduction <laughs> that you're doing it the, a better way, which is uh, you can have an assumption. You just have to give space for somebody to, to disagree with you. Um, and, and so today we're going to be talking uh, with one of our, our former students, uh, Olivia. Um, she's honestly one of my all-time very favorite students and people. Uh, as a human, I've learned so much from her. Um, so I'm really, really excited to have her on the show. So Olivia went through a pretty difficult season with us when she was in our ministry, and that was back in, in late middle school and high school. She is now a senior in college uh, doing her student teaching and in that really fun stage of getting ready to launch into, I don't know if you want to call it full-on adult life, like adulting, um, but we're really excited to have you, Olivia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so happy to be here and to just talk about my experiences. So I'm grateful that you want to hear about them. Oh, absolutely. Olivia, we're so excited to have you. It's such a joy. You know, I think about even that experience I talk about of like uh, assuming things of students, just remembering when you were a student in our ministry and seeing how far you've grown and even chatting a little bit before the show. I'm just so excited to be able to, to talk to you today. Thank you. Yeah. So let's, uh, we're just going to ask you some of the questions 
really where where this kind of got launched, uh, having you onto the show, is we posted onto Facebook a question about kids who were hurting and what kind of stereotypes there were of kids that were hurting. And you responded on our Facebook, and it brought back all sorts of memories of the process and the journey that we went through together over those years. So if you wouldn't mind, clue our audience in and bring us back to the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your journey and and how you engaged in our ministry and start us at the kind of the beginning and where did you feel un, unsupported and what made you feel that way? So I came into the ministry because, well, I'd always been in the church growing up. I just was always at church. And I, in this time of my life, in this season, my parents were splitting and that was like super impossible for me to come to terms with Mm. and deal with. Middle school is a time when you are growing and developing and becoming, coming into yourself, but it's also the time when you're super weird and super awkward and (laughs) obnoxious and people think you're annoying. So I'm so grateful that you guys have stuck with me because I'm better now. um, Some of us are still in that time. (laughs) You you were a riot at that point. That was, there are, we have many memories of those, those years together. I I had a lot of energy. I still do, but now I know how to harness it and use it the right way before it was just, so this is better. Um, (laughs) But my parents split and that was really hard for me to come to terms with. My comment on the post was that my family has always been the chocolate chips in the sugar cookie batch that just kind of got sprinkled in there. Um, And I, my my family was kind of the black face of reference at church. And so when people Mm -hmm. were looking for a black family or when they needed somebody of a different skin color to be in this promo video, whatever, like that Mm -hmm. was kind of of us. So mm-hmm. it was really hard once my parents finally did divorce because it felt like that image was being tainted and that everybody was now seeing the brokenness rather than mm-hmm. us as individuals and us as people that have lives and that go through things just as everybody else. So that was the initial reason or one of the reasons that I really started leaning on you all for support because it was really hard for me to deal with and it felt like my world was crashing in, even though um, in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's significant in my life, but there are so mm-hmm. many other things going on that were um, so much bigger than that. But it was my, in mm-hmm. my world and in my space. So that was extremely, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was detrimental to me in that time because I'm trying to grow and develop. But then this other part of me that's so integral is being kind of broken down. So yeah. Mm. Help us understand just a little bit more like when you uh, this is a piece I, I don't know if I even know this part of your story, but you were like the cool family for a long time, and people used you as like the like the representative of all minorities. Like, oh, if we have a question about minorities, let's go ask uh, the new bills, and and we'll see what they have to say about that. And and so like when your family split, it was like the cool family also like this. It's like a double thing because mm-hmm. you. Now the cool family that represents all minorities is going through this this breakup, and hmm. so people are are looking at you. You're under a little bit more of a microscope than maybe another family would be. Totally, I felt like there was so much scrutiny around the process <laughs> my parents were going through, and that's such an hmm. intimate and um, detailed process. So it was hard because. Yeah. The church is supposed to be a place of support and it felt like a place of additional Mm. judgment at certain times. So that was hurtful and it was hard because people knew what we were going through. But rather than just saying, how are you feeling or what is it like Mm. for you? It was let's whisper in the corner and hope that they're okay. So, Mm. yeah. So for you as an individual going through that process, we, we won't get into the, the, the weeds of what, what your parents were going through, but we want to know from your perspective, what, 
what you said you started to lean more on us. What was that like? And what did we do well? And what do you wish we had done better? I actually wrote this down. So I felt like I always had beforehand, I guess, because we were the family of reference and because I was a face of reference for so many people, I always felt like I had to be loud, funny, goofy. So people wouldn't just see me as black. Like I didn't want Mm. everyone to just see the color of my skin. I wanted them to be able to see everything else about me Mm -hmm. first. So something that was extremely beneficial was that you guys saw me as an individual you didn't necessarily know my family as well as you knew me. And you weren't worried about that. You were worried about me and my journey and my process and what that looked like for me. So I will always be grateful. And I think that I really started to come into myself as a leader and all of these other things, because you guys started to see me as qualities outside of just my skin. So I think Mm -hmm. so often it was like, oh, there's a new black kid. Someone go grab Olivia. So they feel welcomed Mm -hmm. or, oh, there's another family that's coming in, like grab the new bills. They'll help. So Mm -hmm. it really was awesome to be separate from my family and be my own entity and be seen as my own person and to feel that um, wholeheartedly. Hmm. So what we did well was we noticed you as an individual and asked you questions and let you kind of interpret for us what you were going through Mm -hmm. rather than guessing or generalizing or, oh, they're, they're, you know, they obviously feel this or they're just like this other stereotype or whatever. We, we did an okay job of letting you be you. Yes, totally. What do you wish we had done better or were there, what are the places where there was, where there was pain or ignorance that, that hurt you? Um, I think obvious, the obvious was being the face of reference. This was in a time before the wake of everything that's going on in our country right now. But before that, being the face of reference in certain times, it didn't happen often because it was, Mm -hmm. I was, I felt like the church setting kind of helped that sometimes, but that was something that definitely got. Can you explain, I know what you mean when you say face of reference, but Mm -hmm. can you explain just a little bit more what it's like, um, like you, you've mentioned to me, like times in school yes. when certain topics get brought up, like, can you help us understand what it, just what that feeling is like to, you put it like the chocolate chip in the sugar cookie batch, but what is that, what does that feel like? Yeah. So that's a really pretty example because it makes my white friends comfortable. Um, and I use that generally because it's easy and it's simple and it helps people understand what that might be like, but Mm -hmm. truly it's an isolating feeling. It's a feeling of, Mm -hmm. I need to assimilate to what everybody else is doing and what everyone else looks like because I already stick out like a sore thumb. And Mm -hmm. that was a really big thing for me in um, elementary and all of my schooling. Um, I have Mm -hmm. naturally crazy curly hair and I was so ashamed of that and would straighten it every single day because a boy told me I looked like a mushroom. So just those were the types Mm -hmm. of things that I dealt with on a daily basis or like we would be learning about slavery or learning about the civil rights movement or learning about those extremely pivotal times in our history. And everyone's turning around to look at me like I'm not learning this alongside of them. So I would, I would kind of just, I would turn around too. I'm like, well, what are we looking for? Cause I don't know. Like I'm still learning. I'm a student as well. So hmm. that was always hard. I always felt like hmm. I had to be the one to speak up for black people because there weren't yeah. any other black people around me. And yeah. I think. Cause there's no, there's no point where we're talking about like George Washington and, and all the people in class are like looking at each other going like, Oh, yeah. do you know about George Washington? Cause you're white. <laughs> exactly. Like it, so there, there are these moments where being unique 
actually begins to make you feel isolated because it's so consistent that every time anything is mentioned about blackness or minorities or or anything in that space, you're always the one people have to ask a question to. And, and over time, it gets exhausting. Completely. And there was a time in high school that I will never forget. Um, my Spanish teacher was having us do a project where everyone came in and spoke on their ancestry. And she had a world map up on the board and she said everyone come and bring artifacts from your family's history and explain to us um, when your family immigrated here if you know and this and this and that and I'm sitting in a classroom surrounded by all of my white peers and I'm like so mad because I don't know like I have no idea I have absolutely no clue Mm. I can trace it back not very far. So when it was my turn, I got up, I stuck my thumbtack in the center of Africa. And I said, I have no idea. There's no way for me to know. And this project wasn't made for me because it wasn't. And she didn't make that project with me in mind. That was kind of harsh in high school because I was upset. And I was, I felt like she didn't see me and she knew I was in that classroom. And maybe she doesn't have to think about the fact that I wouldn't have very much ancestry to speak on. But that's Mm -hmm. just the thing is we have to be able to recognize our privileges and our own biases because Mm -hmm. when we don't, we do those things that make students feel isolated. And thus Mm -hmm. that shut me off from her for the rest of the year. I was like, you are Mm -hmm. dead to me because you don't see Mm -hmm. me as an individual. Yeah. So that, that, that line about seeing me as an individual, the, one of the things that I think was that, that you've talked about before, that's hard is that people expect you to represent all black people. And so like you get asked a question like, well, you know, what do black people think about that? And that's, what is, what does that do to you? And what would you, how would you push back on that in a way that's like, if somebody's listening into this and for the first time, maybe they're, uh, there, there are people all, all along a spectrum here of, of understanding these kinds of issues and, and, and having a method for responding. So how would you respond to somebody who maybe has, has never, never thought about it or doesn't think there's a, you know, like, like this is the land of the free. And so lots of people, you know, you can, you can do what you want with your life. Like, how would you help them to understand what that does when we ask you to represent all black people? Um, I just try to put them in my shoes in a different way. Like, I'm like, how do you know how all white people feel? <laughs> you don't. So, because yeah. there's a whole lot of white people and there's a whole lot mm-hmm. of black people. So mm-hmm. I try to make it an experience that other people can understand because when I, when you put somebody else in your shoes, it somewhat will help them to <clears throat> kind of better gauge what that might feel like um, from my perspective. But that's something that I do often yeah. is if people attempt to use me as their face of reference and say like, well, what do you guys think about this or what? It's not like black people are having community meetings every week to discuss our thoughts and feelings about things. So, but like nobody really is. So you can ask me what I think, but asking me to speak on behalf of everybody is it's a lot and it's loaded. And that's just not the right way to go about it, because generally the questions that you're going to ask me. Um, If I don't have an answer to it, I'm going to rely on my old friend Google. So I would also point you to do that. So it's just hard because there's some days where I'm like, seriously, you're really going to ask me that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But people are learning. And I appreciate that people will take the time to ask me questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes people just don't realize what they're saying might come off as offensive or might come off as um, somewhat biased. But that's because they're learning and trying to grow, too. So I also have to meet people with grace and say, I understand that you're learning too, and that you might not realize that you're offending me, or you might not realize that what you're saying is not okay. 
Hmm. Yeah. So what? Let's let's turn it back towards your process. What what happened after we gave you that chance to have your own thoughts? What and to to have your own identity within our ministry, and and how did that that give you the space uh, to process, to heal, and to become the leader that that you're becoming? I feel as if I just was able, like the seed was planted there and I have only grown and evolved since then. I feel like the things that I've gone through and being able to then come into that space and talk to people Mm -hmm. who know are learning me and know me and care about me um, and being able to just verbally process things that I'm going through. I now have the ability to process my emotions and go through the different Mm -hmm. things that I'm going through a lot easier because before I would just get sad or I would just get angry and I didn't know how to handle all of those things because I also was dealing with the fact that I needed to put a blanket over my blackness. And, um, because I was seen as just Mm -hmm. a human being that had to just deal with life and life's problems, I never Mm -hmm. felt like a color. I never felt like a statistic. I felt like Mm -hmm. another part of Mm -hmm. this community. And I think that's the biggest thing is I was seeking community and I learned how to listen and be a part of a community. Yeah. So there's a huge difference between what you're saying and like color blindness. Mm-hmm. Like we allowed, I think what we did well was we allowed you to be an individual and identify how you wanted your experience of race to influence your identity and our, and our space. And, and then that gave you like full right to the community. You had full access to what you, what you wanted to access. It, you were allowed to process in your own way and... It was a really, I mean, from my, my side of things, it was really cool. Like I, we've developed a really good friendship o- over time and, and I still learn tons and tons from you, but it's been really a, a cool privilege to watch you go from, like you said, kind of a goofy, quirky middle schooler to a struggling high schooler trying to work through this pain, but you, you never backed down. You always confronted it. And then to walk uh, into this role where you started to lead others through that healing process and now kind of launching out into life where you are going to be a teacher and help young people. It's been really cool to watch that process. Was there anything in in the process that you felt wasn't like something that changed in you that you didn't think was obvious to other people? Was there anything that you noticed in your own process that maybe was really essential, but maybe the rest of us didn't see or didn't notice? That's a great question. I just think that just having the space to be accepted was so powerful. Like just mm. having that container to grow and evolve in and knowing that the people there weren't consistently changing. I didn't have to keep trying to form new relationships and reshare and retell my story. Mm. It felt good to know that when I went back the next week, I would see the same familiar faces who mm-hmm. um, were caring about me. And I think, um, although I may not have expressed it, that was the biggest thing for me was the consistency Mm. in the support and the people who are around me. And while some people did kind of change in and out, I had a few constant people, you, Bobby, your wife, like just always there, no matter what. Mm. Um, And I think that was extremely pivotal. And that's what's really helped me to grow is that I've always known I can fall back on you guys. Mm. So you're, you use the phrase container, which I actually really appreciate because what we attempt to do as leaders in ministry is create a culture or create a set of rules that 
end up creating kind of a, a container, a space where people follow the set of rules within whatever container we make. And so if we can create a container with rules that allow for acceptance and that allow for individuation and allow for thinking and processing, we see people from all sorts of backgrounds are able to process together and 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 build community together. So you, you I mean, we, you're talking about when we when we launched the regroup program and so we haven't actually referenced it yet. Um, we had our regularly scheduled like Wednesday night program, uh, but you were a part of our Tuesday night regroup program. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience in regroup and what, how you went about a process? What, what did you process and, and what were some of the important kind of milestones that you went through there? As far as regroup goes, Forgiveness was the biggest one, and whether that be forgiving myself, forgiving other people without even actually verbally forgiving them, but just going through that process of let me write down and see the pieces of this. Let me see where I have contributed and why I might be, how I might have been contributing to the way that I feel. Um, what can I own? And then what can't I own? What can I genuinely say? That wasn't me. I, I had no control over that. I didn't do that. And moving through those steps and really seeing and looking at like, here's my problem, here's what I'm going through or what I've been going through and how can I, how can I pull the beauty out of it and make it into something more? It doesn't have to just be like, my parents got a divorce and that really sucked and now I'm upset about mm -hmm. it, but it can be, what can I learn from this? How can we grow and evolve? And then on top of that, um, when I was in high school, a great friend of mine passed away and so I had already been going through yeah. the regroup process um, and kind of learning a bit about how to deal with that. But when that happened, then I had the community already there. And I was yeah. so blessed to have you guys already backing me and already like just around because had you not, I, I don't really know. And I would have had to mm -hmm. cope and deal with those things all by myself because everyone else is dealing with their own things. I always felt like, so it felt good because I knew that regardless of how silly my problem might have been or how extreme and really detrimental it might have been, you guys were going to take me seriously regardless. And that was huge for me because I felt heard and seen in that space. Well, just listening to Olivia, we hope you hear how much progress she made in her journey through hurt and towards healing. And actually, a lot of that journey took place as a part of a program we have called Regroup. Regroup is a program that equips ministry leaders who want to help hurting students. Having a way to think and process pain and anxiety is especially relevant today. And it can be really hard to know what the right thing is to say or the right way to lead somebody through pain. So the Regroup curriculum is, is built to equip you with everything that you need as a leader to start helping those types of students. Yeah, what the program helps students develop is their own way of processing pain by combining psychological methods, tools of confession, identity formation, and forgiveness all made possible by Jesus. And you can see that in Olivia's story, which is just so cool. Yeah, so cool. So if you're a leader who wants to help hurting students in your ministry, but maybe doesn't feel prepared or is anxious about saying the wrong thing, we think Regroup can help. So you can buy the program or learn more by visiting rallypointmin.com slash regroup.
So tell us a little bit about uh, how you're doing now and how you're applying things from back then to, uh, to the way that you're studying and the way that you plan to interact with your students. Reflective listening, point blank period. That's, <laughs> that's the best thing that I have gotten from Regroup and it has been so beneficial for my students for when I'm just talking to my friends um, because people just want to be heard. People want to know that you're hearing what's coming out of their mouths and you're not attempting to interpret what they're saying, but you are listening with intent to understand, not to respond. And so easily we get caught up in the storm of, let me give this person advice. Let me tell them how they should feel. Let me tell them what I've done before. And when I felt that way, here's what I did and it worked for me, but we're not all the same and we don't all deal with these problems in the same ways. So it was really awesome to have that process of reflective listening to say, I hear you. What I feel as if you're saying is X, Y, Z. What I think you might be feeling is this. Am I right? Not Mm -hmm. you're feeling this. Mm -hmm. Here's what you should do. So that is something that's huge for me. And when I speak with my students, when they're upset about something, they get really hot and really frustrated and they're on, they're just like on level a hundred and I have them explain to me the situation and I try my best to just reflect back to them what they've expressed yeah. to me. And even if we don't come up with a solution in that moment, just having been heard mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. able to express their emotions and their feelings is, it's huge. Yeah. Um, you nailed this and I love that you still use this. So our, our system, what we taught in regroup was, uh, a five, we always taught it with five fingers. So we always said like, first, make sure you're grounded before you ask any questions. Then you ask, hey, what's going on? Tell me everything. And then we have the other person tell us everything. And then we say, uh, we reflect it back. We just literally parrot. We say, um, you know, this is what I heard you say. And then we, we say it right back to them. Then we always give space. Is there more? Is there anything else that I need to make sure that I didn't get the first time and we let them say it again. And we repeat those steps over and over. And then we come together with, with some kind of conclusion. If, if there was some kind of hurt involved, we, we try to make it right. We do some restitution. We, we, we work somewhere in there. But we avoid giving any kind of advice. We avoid um, me monstering. So like, oh, yeah, I totally, you know, that, that time that your friend died, you know, I once had a gerbil die and it was like, I totally get what you're saying. Like, we are the same person. You know, we, we, we avoid that, um, that kind of space because anytime that you try to relate with the same story, it can kind of cheapen the other person, the other person's story. And so we want to make sure that the whole goal is to make sure they feel like what they said is heard. I love that you're, you're still using that. That's what you took away. Um, that's, that's, really, that's really important. So um, what kind of advice would you give a ministry leader in today's context who is trying to connect with kids in their ministry based on your experience? Like what, what would you like people to walk away hearing? I think the biggest thing that I can think of is surround yourself with people who don't look like you and don't live like you and don't act Mm -hmm. like you and have different experiences because then you can fully like you have a better understanding of those students then that are coming in not to say that you're going to know all of their experiences because you know someone like them but to say you are outside of your own bubble and you're not just experiencing people that look and act and sound like you, but you're experiencing the whole gamut. So that way, when that student walks in the door, you're not like, oh crap, how am I going to connect to them? Like, 
let's play some rap music. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> absolutely not it. But learn that person, understand who they yeah. are and realize that the color of their skin can mean nothing. Like it doesn't, mm. yes, it does have meaning, but that's not who they want to be seen as, or, and that's not who I wanted to be seen as. Um, yeah. So I think that's a really, really important piece is surround yourself with all kinds of different people mm. in all different walks of life. Um, and just see your students for people, people first, yeah. human beings who have life experiences, who mm. have all come to you with different backgrounds and different trials and tribulations. But it's, that's the beauty is that everyone's bringing all of the things out set from their own world into your space and everyone has something to offer. It's just a matter of tapping into each person and figuring out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is... <laughs> Surround yourself with lots of people from as many backgrounds as you can and stay curious. Don't get, uh, don't think you know, don't think you get it, but let them interpret their own lives and, and be curious and try to understand each person as an individual. Um, that's really wise. That's really, really helpful. Thank you. So yeah, much. of course. We've got to be lifetime <laughs> learners and we have to con consistently be dedicated to bettering ourselves. And I mentioned earlier, know your biases, know what is blinding you and understand that and just work through that. It's not to say that you're wrong or that what you've experienced is wrong, but it's to say, let me analyze this experience and understand and kind of download the wisdom from it. And as to why one person might feel this way and why I might feel a completely different way. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think your insight is, as usual, really, really keen and poignant and really helpful. I still, every time that we chat, I learn something. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful to know you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Olivia. It's been great to just hear your wisdom and, and hear what you have to say. Yeah, guys, thank you for allowing me to come on. This is my first ever podcast, so I'm grateful that it's this one. And yeah, I, I'm grateful that my experiences and my perspective is wanted. So thank you. Man, I really appreciate Olivia. I just love yeah. uh, like her zest for life. I love her wisdom. It, it's so cool to hear her now after a couple of years of, you know, seeing her grow as a student, and then she went off to college, and we've had some touch points along the way. But it's been it's just so fantastic to see her wisdom and her growth, even just in this short conversation. It's been awesome. I I just sort of sat back and listened because she just has so much to say and so much wisdom to give, and it's just. So, you know, she's so insightful. It was just, man, so valuable to have her on the show. Mm -hmm. What I love in that conversation, especially, is, is Olivia is charming and charismatic and a leader, um, which sometimes charming, charismatic leaders have a really hard time listening to other people. And mm -hmm. so the fact that the one takeaway she wanted people to get is be a good listener. Mm. Um, I think that was really critical, really interesting and really yeah, helpful absolutely. is is the, the best leaders are the ones who listen well. And so mm. um, I think that that resonated with me and, and is something I'll take home. So what I really appreciate hearing from Olivia was her talking about how having a place where she felt safe allowed her to experience growth. And we actually have a worksheet 
that allows you to figure out how you're going to create safe environments for students to process pain. To get those resources, you can go to rallypointmin.com podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. If you're already an email subscriber, the link to this resource is in your inbox. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. By doing that, you will help other leaders find this resource and become prepared leaders too. Also, we want to hear from you. So tell us how this episode has helped you or what challenges you're facing that you'd like to hear us cover. Uh, If you'd like to send us a message, you can email us at hello at rallypointmin.com. Thanks for listening and join us next week.